and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast, a podcast all about video games and carbohydrates this week. Oh boy, it's the Carbcast. My name is Quentin Smith. I'm sat opposite one Mr. Matthew Lees. I'm sat opposite Quentin Smith. It's what a weird coincidence. That is a weird coincidence, isn't it? We've just eaten loads of chips and burgers. Not just chips, but triple cooked chips. They brought them out. We said, cook them again. Cook them again. And they brought them out and we said, This is ridiculous. Keep doing it. again. And they brought them out a third time and we went, that's fine, actually. It's a big veggie bean burger as well, so I'm carbed to the max. So uh, if you listen very carefully, you'll be able to hear the exact point during this podcast where we both collapse. <laughs> yeah, not that carefully. It will just be a loud sort of thumping noise. It'll be like, listen out for it. It'll be like a big thud followed by silence. Today we're going to talk about some video games. Uh, we're going to talk about the new Hitman, which it turns out I've been having a great time There's with. There's a new level for that. You've been playing on that. Yeah, and it's been blowing my mind wide open. Uh, why open? We've been playing Fallen London because that's got a new iOS app and and that's absolutely fantastic. You have been playing Neo. I had a little go on the the, the alpha demo for Neo and it's N-I-O-H. I think it's probably pronounced Neo, but I like to imagine it being like Neo, as if it's like a car driving really fast. There's that to look forward to. Uh, so yeah, I'll talk about that. <laughs> but we're going to start with uh, Matt's continuing adventures in mobile app Clash Royale. Clash Royale. Yeah, it's all right. You looked super concerned when I was throwing over to you there. No, you it's like- fine. I was just, uh, yeah, I've been playing... <laughs> I've been playing a load of Clash Royale, mainly because it doesn't take long. Uh, I talked about it a couple of podcasts ago, and lots of people have, have uh, got on board with it and had a go. Uh, yeah, I introduced you to this, right? This is did, the yeah. uh, the tower defense MOBA type competitive uh-huh. card game. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's fun. It's like, you know, it's obviously it hits limitations because they want money, which is how mobile phone games work. But at the same time, how it's much money have you given them fun. so far? I've given about a fiver, I think. Uh, which is fine, considering I've had a lot of fun and spent a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... What's your best card? What's your most powerful card? Oh, I don't know what my best card is. That's complicated. The funny thing is about it, right, is you get better cards as you level up in the ranks, right? And you mm-hmm. get to, like, the new arena. When you get to a higher level arena, you get access to new cards that might drop. So as long as you get the cards, you get access to cards that might appear in Which chests. means all the old boring cards you've been using forever are way higher level than all the new stuff. Yes, sometimes, uh, but often it's about how these new cards can mix up your combinations. And the funny thing is, often when you get a new card, you're like, oh, cool, I want to use it. And then you put it in your deck somewhere, and then suddenly like your deck is rubbish and you just start losing all the time. <laughs> and it can be quite hard to actually fine-tune it, and sometimes you have to really step back and go, why do I keep losing? Like, why am I losing so much? And you have to work out like what is structurally wrong. Like, and it's often it's just a simple thing of swapping one card for this one, but which one do you replace? And these are important mechanical questions. I have a similarly important question to you. Do mm-hmm. you use the little emotes during a match that say things I do. like "Well played"? And I do. Good game. Yeah, I always. Um, me I, too. Me too. I, the bad thing is though, right? Is when I win and I just trash them. I, I, <laughs> there is no button for that, I, right? Yeah. You can't say good game because it seems like you're being passive-aggressive. Precisely, precisely. It seems like I'm being a dick. Which means then the match just ends in total silence. Yeah. I, I do just try and say good game or well played after every game, but I just get the impression that... like often, <laughs> You can't always do that. Yeah. yeah sometimes If it's not a good like, game and they didn't play well, then it's like there's no... There needs to be a button that's like, well, thanks... Bye. <laughs> yeah. Know. For a while, I got frustrated at how many, once you get to like, I'm on like, I've just got to Arena 5, actually. I've been stuck on Arena 4 for a while. Thank you. It was a, it's genuinely it's a lot a of journey. Work. <laughs> uh, it's really hard. Like, the thing is, like, it's kind of a weird system because of the fact that you go up, um, it's like you have a number of trophies and that affects your ranking and that affects what area you're in, right? Yeah, I'm familiar with this because it's exactly the same system that Street Fighter Five uses. Yes. However, the big difference is when you get to these new areas, you can get new stuff and you get more stuff in your crates and stuff mm. and it's better. Yeah, with Street Fighter Five, you do get new stuff, actually. You get new uh, feelings. Well, <laughs> uh, feelings of pride. But listen, it's not a good thing. Like It's like it's how the game works, but it's not a good thing in some regards because the problem is it means like I'm, I've been at the top end of rank four for a while and I wanted to get to the fifth bed area because then I thought well I get some new stuff then you get more money in your boxes you get chances of new cool cards popping up mm-hmm. but breaking out from one tier to another is really difficult because even though it is just a sliding scale of like you're always going to be match made with people who are roughly of your level <laughs> right? there's this weird step that comes up in 
the different rankings because suddenly what happens is you get to the point where you're like just on the verge of getting into the new zone and suddenly you start getting matchmade with people who are in the new zone. And do the new kinds of drops help them that much? Sometimes, yes. But actually, it's not just that. It's because... What's one of the new cards in the uh, in the magic zone? You need to ground me in a this. A magician who does fireball. Shit! Yeah. That is so innovative. But it's not that. What's interesting is, um, it's not that they've got better cards. What's funny is, uh, you start to realise that in the different like areas, there are different metas. Because it, it's like... That's interesting. There are... Yeah, so that's what I found really fascinating is the fact that, like, you know, in StarCraft, for example, you play something like that, or Street Fighter, mm. when you're in, like, the very newbie area or, like, you've just started playing, really, you'll be able to get away with crap play, doing weird stuff. But then you start to, every now and then, as you go up, you'll recognise people just doing strange things until you realise after a while, oh, that's how the game is played. But it scales out very gently. Whereas what tends to be, for whatever reason... In, in like, Clash Royale. In Clash Royale, in, like, Rank 3 and Rank 4, there are a set number of tactics that you just get all the time. And it usually involves the prince, who's, like, a little guy with a... Uh, yeah, he charges off he charges, lance, right? and then he gets up to top speed and you have to drop something in his way, otherwise he collides with your towers. But that's the thing, you don't drop something in his way. And that's the thing is, I used to drop stuff in his way and that's why I was doing terribly. But you have to drop something off far to the right so it drags him over there, away from everything else. And you can actually kite these people or into the other lane entirely Whoa. by just using two very cheap units. Whoa, <laughs> into the other lane. Into the other lane. And as soon as you realise that, that whole tactic of just like, here comes the guy on the lance with the horse, doesn't work. The guy on a lance holding a horse you would know what be I mean. a very weird <laughs> character design. That would be abstract. But this is funny, is because basically when you're in three and four, like you get this stuff a lot, but it means you have a deck which is made for dealing with that. But then weirdly, as soon as I got to the point where I'm knocking on the door of the fifth area, I'm going into these fights with my deck, which is for the meta that I'm used to. And I'm just coming up against a completely different one. It seems like people who have been in five for a while, the meta in five generally, because all the people in five, they might have actually been shunted back down again, but they've been in five probably for a while because it slows down. It's all like loads of mobs. It's all like loads of little buildings producing loads of tiny creatures. And it becomes this weird thing of you being like, well, how do I build my deck? Like, because if you're constantly on the line of being like trying to get to a new area. Right. It's you like, can encounter weird kinds of decks. It's like, you know, you're going to come against two types of decks, but which one is it? Which one do you build for? Well, I mean, this has been like a, a classic mainstay of card games. You know, when I used to play competitive Netrunner and, you know, still if would if I had the time. Mm. Like, so much of the game, and I mean a ridiculous amount, is like in the week before a tournament trying to guess what decks you're going to come yeah. up against. And if you make that guess correctly, you can do exponentially more, be- and that, more better. It's That's why, I mean, that's why Clash Royale is really satisfying, is that it isn't actually, like, it gets to a point where you kind of think, oh, I wish I had better cards. And it's frustrating when you come up against people and they've got just better cards than you because they've spent more time more money on it but it, there's still a lot to learn there's a lot of fine detail in there and often when I lose it's because I just do something very simple and stupid and sometimes it's something as simple as like misplacing units by like a couple of mm-hmm. a couple of millimetres you think oh shouldn't have put them there should've I could have done with a bit more of that in Hearthstone of uh, at the very beginner level that I played Hearthstone for I don't know 10 hours or something I occasionally would lose matches and just be like yep I did nothing wrong mm. there. And like, or at least my mistakes weren't obvious whereas in Clash Royale for all of its problems Clash Royale is a game where I will do plays because of the pace of it and then go well that was just a mistake and my opponent will as well but I'll tell you what the fundamental problem with Clash Royale is oh this is also by the way yet another of those games on Cool Ghost I get you into and go anyway I'm going to go have a picnic in this field Matt Matt do you want to come out why are you still playing Clash Royale uh, the fundamental problem with it and it's again a really interesting one in the fact that like I think it's interesting <laughs> that they actually like the way the, the meta seemed to happen appears to be separated because of it just is um, also it's unlike anything else. Like if you're playing something like StarCraft and you've got your MMR or whatever, your, your, your player rating in one of these games. Yeah. Same thing in Street Fighter. Like you're always trying to be better. I mean, obviously you're a weird case for this, doing a podcast about trying to get into the top oh, so 10%. It's, it's all closed now. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, most people would just try and get to the level they're at and then accept that that's pretty much where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd just be like, you'd try and be better, but you get to a point where you're like... Well, maybe this is just how good I am at this game. Yeah. Right? But the weird thing is in this because you're always having you're this always of, grinding very gently, or because well, there's always new cards to get. There's new stuff you can get. But you you can't reach it, Matthew. You're not good but enough. No, you can. Because you just <laughs> need to keep going. But I think also, and I wonder if this is to do with the player base of just being like 
the more people you have playing it and the more people putting this time in, it really feels like I'm now up against people who are in my tier who just have stuff that's like loads more stuff than me. Like, like they have like all loads of really high level stuff that I don't have. And it's like, well, maybe they spent loads of money or maybe they've just been playing for ages. And I start to wonder if maybe because of the way it's like the matchmaking is slanted, it's like, can we all get to the top at some point? <laughs> or well, am I no, just stuck right? in this weird well, middle traffic Well, jam? hang on, because how many trophies do you get when you win versus when you lose? Well, no, you always get slightly more when you win. Usually. Yeah, which makes me think that theoretically, if people played forever, they would. You will the go top. up, yeah? Yeah. But it's weird because it's this weird thing of like, I, I always enjoy playing this game, right? I just, apart from, and this is the thing, I always enjoy playing it up until the point when I'm just on the verge of getting into a new tier. And that becomes so exciting because you're going to get new stuff and a new map <laughs> yeah, and yeah. better stuff in your book. I then become a bit like focused on it and I become a bit picky and then I sat I sat for like an hour the other day just playing match after match and losing one winning one losing because one because you desperately one. wanted the new because cards I knew that so all, much I was two wins off being in the next tier <laughs> but I just kept losing winning losing winning losing winning oh, back man. and forth and usually I never do that but it's always on the verge of the, the new ranks so I don't know I mean it's pretty cool but uh, it's it's funny how like it's it's a game with rankings but I'm never going to be satisfied you just always want more and I mean that's, that's the dark because you will never see all the content yeah yeah no, I won't. Uh, but if you want to join us playing... Uh- <laughs> Sold, Matt. Where can I sign up to well, this? It wasn't me, but some uh, some guys who listen to the podcast started up a little uh, kind of clan. It's not, There isn't much like collaboration in the clan. It's just you give each other cards and you can chat a little bit. Not the way Matt plays it anyway. No, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lone wolf. I don't need no boss or friends or cats. But if you um, would like to help Matt get to the next level. Yeah, well, those I think it's about... The thing is, I'll say this. There's, I think it's called Funwraiths. It's spelt like Funwraiths, one, right. one of the fans. Like, the, like our patrons who support us on Patreon.com. Yes, so I think it was a, a bunch of patrons who, who built this little clan. And just search for it. I'm on the Android one, but there might be one on the iPhone, Apple stuff as well. I don't know. I haven't got one of those things. Uh, but yeah, just look for the Funwraiths clan. Oh, you should be playing this on iPad. It's really good on iPad. I'm sure it is because you have more room. for More room. It's like been, you know, especially made for the iPad and big buttons. Well, yeah, Huge it's also the buttons. Like where you're dropping stuff as it's, well. Is it's like, like, like one of those um, old phones made by Fisher-Price in the 80s with like massive square buttons, but in a good way. I'm in too deep now. That's the problem. Like, unless I start a new one, but that's a bad idea. Um, but oh, yeah. Oh, God. If you're yeah. looking for a clan, then join that one because there's only about 15 people. And the problem with this, though, is you can only have 50 people in a clan. And I swear, like, by next it's week. It's fine, man. Go, I the, can't get in. The people will find a way. They'll make a new clan. To be honest, for ages, I was just in a, glo- a, a clan called Ghosts. I joined a clan for people from Newcastle in England. It was called Cool Newcastle or something. So you just search for cool and I search for ghosts. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty funny. Between but, us, we have a sensible idea. All of mine was Spanish. It was great. There's a lot of Spanish chat going on. Lots of people kept getting kicked out of the clan. But I never did. I got some weird. There was some. There was some beef in the Newcastle clan as well. Bloody it's hell! Very weird. I kept my head down, man. I didn't want to mess with those dangerous types. No, don't get involved with clan wars, mate. Yeah. Jesus. In real life or in uh, Clash of Clans, Any despite of the misleading name. Any of that, I know. Right? Don't ever clash with another clan. Kids. It's terrible. It's fucking bad. They'll break your biscuits, your fingers, everything. What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Fall in London, but more than anything, I want to talk about how much I've been enjoying Hitman. Go for it, yeah. So uh, people might be aware that Hitman, like uh, popular game Tomb Raider, starring uh, Miss Miss Tombs, Miss Tombs, Raider Tombs. Tombs, Raider Tombs. Tombs Raider Tombs. Um, yeah, so they've kind of rebooted Hitman because it doesn't have a number after it, but it's got this completely bizarre business model. I mean, I guess you must have talked about it a bit before. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty sure I talked about um, I tried to get into it. Uh, you know what, man? I did as well. And uh, people, in case they're not aware, it's got a completely bizarre structure. And like a lot of um, classy publishers, like what they're doing with Street Fighter V, it is early access, but they're calling it something different because early access has like implications that a big publisher doesn't want to associate itself with. Anyway, it doesn't matter because Apart the from Square Enix who are more than happy to just go all in on that, right? I now, guess with, with Hitman and Final Fantasy and all that. Yeah. So anyway, the point is that they released Hitman with like a tutorial, a way bigger complex tutorial, and then the first mission, which is this beautiful Parisian heist show. And it is th- that Parisian level is the biggest, best, most beautiful Hitman level ever designed. Like it has something like thirty different ways, like to kill the two respective targets. It's got tens of different groups you can like pose as. Yeah, as we said, I still, I still just bounced off that. So did I. But they released a new level called Sapienza, which is set in Italy. And uh, the funny thing about that is that with with the fashion show, uh, well, for a start. 
out of the gate, it is a better level. And I agree with lots of the reviews that have been saying that Hitman is borrowing from all different spy genres with every level it makes. Mm-hmm. So this is a much more of like a sunny Italy James Bond level. Ooh, that's one of my favourite flavours of James Bond. Ooh, it's good. You know, with the glasses, you're wearing like a sort of crisp summer suit with short sleeves. Yeah. Uh, there's like hairdressers and greengrocers and you're sat outside this big, beautiful mansion and you just got to get in there, kill classic, a man. Classic Bond tropes. Do you know how I... Ki- oh, dude. I, I mean, love how every Bond film has a greengrocer and a hairdresser and at some point the, all the green grocer stuff falls off the, all the melons roll down the street yep, and then the hairdresser James like doesn't care. and gives he's, the guy a mullet he's running so fast and it's good uh, I killed the guy on the Sapienza level this isn't much of a spoiler because holy shit the game wants to tell you immediately every way you can kill the guy but um, he's a bit of a weird tech uh, sort of isolation person and he's seeing a therapist and I knocked out the therapist and left him in a toilet and then dressed as the therapist, left my gun in the toilet, walked in, got frisked, walked all the way up to my meeting with the guy, uh, sat on the couch, talked to him a bit about his feelings. Uh, I got an achievement for that and then strangled him with a pillow while he was lying on the couch. <laughs> and it's, it's just great. It, so here's the thing. I bounced off the Paris level as well because lots of the opportunities in that level are a bit hidden. And like this is a whole big system it's got where as you're walking for a while, it'll have Hitman notice something and then you can press a button that toggles on this series of sub-objectives. Yeah, they had that in... Um... Yeah, you said it was in Absolution as well. No, pre- no, it was in this. It was in the. It definitely was in the, the tutorial as well. Yeah, me. and it's in the tutorial, right? Um, but the Paris level, they're a it little... have that many of them, I, I remember. It actually has something like 18. Wow. <laughs> um, but they're all a bit hidden and... To to get to any of them, you have to like be poking around out of the way, usually dressed as a member of staff. Sure. Which right. is the reason I bounced off the Paris level, same as you, because you walk around for a bit, you experiment for a bit, you don't really see an obvious way. Well, I, I spent a lot of time going around just, just scoping out the whole bottom layer of that yep. place. Which isn't that much fun. No, well, uh, the problem was I was like, I, I wanted to find what to do and I had some ideas, but then I couldn't find the right costumes and I kept going into places and being in, like, oh, you're not supposed to be in here. Right. Like, Sorry. Okay, okay, so and... the first thing that Sapienza, the new uh, Italian level, does, right? You take a couple of steps to the right and you see a woman yelling up at a man on a balcony and she's going like, come on, don't be late for work. It's your first day. And he's like this slob and he's like, oh, I'll be fine. You know, the chef's not going to work. And you realise that it's his first day as a kitchen trainee and no one's met him. Right. So immediately it's like, you can just go get into his apartment, knock him out, take his clothes, job done. You're in there as a kitchen trainee. Or you can do the psychologist thing that I did. Yeah. Or you can go to church and encounter an employee who's gone to church. Or yeah. you can go to a hairdresser. And I mean, that's what I love about Hitman when it's at its best. It's almost like this sort of like... Um happenstance this silly it's like you you are the the protagonist of reality and it knows that and that's one a hitman like and absolution did that really well i thought of having like just moments where it's like right at the very start of the game it had this thing about a guy like one of the one of the, like the um bodyguards was on the phone to his wife and he's just like and then he's just calling somebody like being like telling his wife that he's just had a phone from the doctors and he's got the all clear but he's doing it by a window <laughs> and you're outside the window and this is the part of the tutorial where it tells you how to pull people out of the windows and oh, into, nice. into the coffee end of a cliff and it's just like hilarious it's like the whole point is that it's it's like it knows it's you you're here you are magical you're special yeah and this is so the fact that you have somebody being like oh nobody knows what you look like first day of job oh and it's just when you're able to just waltz into these things with a grin on your face whereas yeah I think you're right with the, with the first um, level in Paris it was an amazing spectacle but it felt like I felt like they were relying more on the groundhog thing. Yeah, like, so here's the thing. Like, the, once you've done the Paris level once, and just once, and like I say, I was in exactly the same boat as you. I just couldn't quite see my way into the fun. But once you've completed the Paris level once, once you've said, I, like, I disguise myself as the male model who looks like Hitman. Yeah. And then you do, and then you ask to see if you can Again, stuff like that is perfect. The fact you walk in and there's a male model who looks exactly like yeah, you. Yeah, done. It's, it's hilarious. So, um, but once you've done the mission... On your way, once you're in the inner sanctum, and uh-huh. once it's, or even once you've killed your target and you're leaving again, you will take a path and Hitman will notice something else. Like, so the Sapienza level is like, I did my amazing cool hit because there are 18 opportunities. You're going to find one. You're going to do something wicked. You're going to kill them. And on my way out, I passed the... Um, the the target's mum's bedroom and from like scuttlebutt from the servants I'd heard that like oh yeah he ever since his mum died he left the mum's bedroom exactly the same like anyone who goes in there and touches anything he goes ballistic and then you so on my way out I pass his mum's bedroom and the guy's dead right but I opened it up and I noticed that because of the way the room's laid out and this thing pops up that basically you can make him think his mum is haunting him 
You can set up a hat on a chair and then turn on a fan so the rocking chair is rocking. You play her old gramophone. And, you know, and then it's like, okay, that's cool. And I left the mission. All I wanted to do was do it, again, do it again, but yeah. have him be haunted. And then, like, here's the thing. As soon as you've just broken past that little crusty shell of like, oh, this is cool, but I don't know what to do. The game just starts, like, giving you this juicy, delicious Hitman fruit. Like, the, they've done such a poor job of explaining what the escalation missions are, which is like, you've got this beautiful sandbox. You finish the mission, you've done it, and then it goes, do you want to do an escalation? And that will, that will say just like, kill the chef in hand-to-hand combat is the, is the first Sapienza one. And then you start it, and it doesn't even tell you this, but the whole thing about escalation is that you can't save the game. So you have to just do it in one go. You have to do it in one go. If you get rumbled, that's fine, but you better hope that you can shoot your way out. Like, And then as soon as you've done the first level of Kill the Chef, it goes, great, now kill the chef and hack the laptop in one run. And then you do that, and it goes, great, now kill the chef, hack the laptop, and kill this other target in the basement. Again, all in one run. And it's such a perfect test of your skills and how well you know the level. And you're right that Groundhog Daying a level is part of Hitman, but with now the new Hitman reboot here's the cool thing you Groundhog Day but every time every Groundhog Day loop you do something cool you kill them in a new way or you have a different objective it just with the Paris level it didn't it put a little barrier in the way that was slightly too big and they've completely rectified well it seems really dumb as well but it was like I said earlier it was like the kind of James Bond tourism aspect I think just knowing that I can have two places that I can jump between two big places to explore so if I get bored of the Paris one I'm going to go and And you know what you don't have to even complete the Paris one before doing the Italy one first and you know what else if you complete the Italy one as you level up either of the two areas you unlock things like um, I've done the Paris one and one of the early levels of the Paris one is a sniper rifle anything you unlock and they're all unique unlocks either destination you can take into any future destination they oh, release that's very cool. it's neat man I got a, a wall breaching charge wow. from the Sapienza one and it's like think about how many locked doors there are in that Paris level it's like yeah I'll just breach my way like a SWAT team with a shotgun and kill it's so much fun so yeah that's that's me end of rant about Hitman I'm probably no gonna- it's, it's good because I, I felt really bad when I first approached it because I like I kind of enjoyed the, the intro stuff and then I found it was just a bit big and I just bounced off it really yep. hard. I'm and telling you, man, just do the Sapienza level yeah. first and then do the Paris level and then join me in just being so unbelievably excited for the Morocco level that's coming next. It was just, I, I think, yeah, I just felt bad because it's almost like, you know, I could tell it was this be- beautifully crafted thing, like amazing. It's stunning. It's, like, it's one of like, the most amazing environments I've ever been in. It's like somebody just brought me out a selection of like some of the world's rarest cheeses and told me what they all are and then I was like, oh, do I really want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I felt bad. I was like, so I'm glad that you're excited about it. I need to go and check it out again. Yeah, um, seriously, the Sapienza thing will just whet your appetite for the for the next level. And also, don't think I've spoiled anything because I've must have. I think I've given away two secrets yeah. in a level with something like forty secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, a line with these things. I think it's like. Uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's when you've got a, a, a breadth of experiences like that, it's, it's always reasonable to give people a taste just so you can actually get them interested in the first place. Exactly. With yeah. linear experiences, it's different, uh, but with stuff like no, but that... With, with like, a sandbox, it's like, yeah, tease people what's in the sandbox. Yeah, you've, you've got it. Otherwise, you can't just be like, there's sand! All right, okay, enough enough incredible excitement. I've been playing... What have you been playing? Something that's like not incredibly exciting... But I've been enjoying it. I've been playing the alpha demo for Neo. This is on Play. It's on PlayStation 4. Might be on other things. Other consoles are available. Um, I've been playing it on PS4 because it's there. And it's a Team Ninja Koi Tecmo uh, thing. Famous for Dead or Alive and Ninja Gaiden? Yeah. Like, probably more famous for Ninja Gaiden than Dead or Alive. Probably infamous these days for <laughs> Dead or Alive stuff. But yeah, basically. Developers of Cool Ninjas and Volleyball. I don't know if Team Ninja did the volleyball games. I don't think they did. Anyway. I'm going to Google it while you're talking. Okay, you do. Um, but yeah, so it's basically what's happened with this is uh, they've looked at Namco Bandai's uh, Dark Souls series and they've gone, oh, they're making money, aren't they? <laughs> and they thought, we'd like some money. And so what they've done is they've used their kind of uh, vague expertise in third-person action games and ninja shit to uh, make a ninja shit version samurai ninja thing of Dark Souls. And you know, it's funny because a sort of Japanese-themed Asian Dark Souls would be, like, awesome, and that was my initial response. Then I realised, like, oh, it's just the same... Like, it's it's the Ninja Gaiden assets and historical research they've already done yeah. applied to Dark Souls, which suddenly makes it seem lazy. On the subject, Team Ninja did, in fact, make Dead or Alive Extreme 3, and 2, and 1. Wait, Extreme Bonneville? 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought, oh yeah, they did, yeah. No, because I forget that about Team Ninja, because they were all headed <laughs> they're, they're up. They're perverts. Yeah, they are. Yeah, like, they're experts at, uh, at like, you know, combat systems, and also just massive pervs. It was the, the, the guy who was, like, the head, who was just always looking like a bit of a creep, let's be honest. Oh, anyway. yeah, him, yes, I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, sort of guy who, who, when you're, like, 12 or 13, you think, man, that's the coolest guy in the world. And then when you're an adult, you go... What's up with that guy? Oh, he is... The, is it Itagaki, the guy yeah. in the cool rock star... Um, yeah. Uh, leather jacket. Yeah. I'm just taking a visit out of someone looks now, but hey, I'm an adult. It's what adults do. Anyway, um, it's it's fun. It's kind of... It is it is ridiculous. It's just such an obvious kind of attempt at a cash-in because it's like... It is like uh, all of the Eastern stuff, but then the main character looks like a fucking Viking. It's like, it is. He is astonishingly white yeah, like, for a game set in Japan. Still has the kind of samurai, uh, like, ponytail, but very blonde hair, very Western face. Blue eyes, yeah. yeah. Um, it kind it, of... It was funny because it did look like Dark Souls, but like Dark Souls where or sorry it looked like Ninja Gaiden but where everyone had like sort of osteoporosis and was just super tired all the time yeah yeah um, you can do a cool move but you do two of them and then you just need to sit down for yeah a that is it it's funny like it's like they've they've towed the line as, as close as they can go to like ripping stuff off without like probably getting involved with legal trouble like, I like the fact that you've still got the kind of like the sword and the appearance of flames but it's not actually a sword and a fire it's like your spirit animal and a sword and that's where you died so rather than being a green bud patch it's like an orange fiery sword patch that's where you yeah. so it's like it's almost like things have just been circled around bits so it's it like, is just... like a weird blender like so what else is it there, so where people have died previously in Dark Souls you can press a button and then see how they died as a ghost yep. whereas in this the ghost comes alive and is an enemy you can attack Yes, which is the same mechanic for like when you're invaded in Dark Souls. Yes. So I don't know if they're going to in the full game, because this is just an alpha, to be fair. I do not know what their plans are with the full game in terms of online stuff. But in this, it basically means they have these little death patches, and it tells you the level of the person, what equipment they have, in a very simple little circle with colours, um, and I'll come back to that in a second, and then um, what their name is and how they died. So it'll tell you, like, got killed by this, or often I found a lot of people who just drowned. It's like, okay, you want to see how far you could go into the sea. Fair enough. Um... But that means you can summon them in, you can have a little fight with them, and then when you kill them, you'll often get good loot. And this is the weird thing, is actually, despite the fact that they've taken the very core premise of Dark Souls, i.e. walk around, uh, you've got not that many potions, and you've got to not get killed, and if you get killed, then you lose your experience and have to go and get it, etc. But with this sort of, like, samurai-style combat with different weapon stances, like, you know, yeah, defensive, that neat. medium offensive, and then a proper, like, combat system which is a lot more like that kind of old-school third-person action game of being a bit more, like, input-based and having, like, stance switches mid-combo and having that combo rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that which I guess a lot of games haven't done for a while. And that's what was weirdly got me into it. I was like, I thought I'd check it out, but actually it wasn't the whole it's a bit like Dark Souls thing that got me into it at all. It was more that I'm like, oh, man, I've forgotten how much I enjoy kind of slightly... A nice bit of slashy hacking. Yeah, but... I mean, I feel like the hacking and the slashing would have to be super good because if there is a Japanese developer that I don't trust with narrative and world building, it's the dudes behind fucking Ninja Gaiden and Breasts. Yeah, precisely. And that's why, like, you know, they've done a good job with the hacky slashy stuff. It's... It's weird, like, especially like... Is it better combat than Dark Souls? Oh, I don't know. That's difficult. It's, very, it's really plays differently. Like, in terms of the combat, it plays very differently. But is it better? I don't know. I only played it for about an hour. Okay. It's really... I mean, also, you don't have as many weapons. Like, you have, like, kind of katana... But they're axe. explored more. Uh, yes, basically. And spear. You have combo trees. So it's like properly going back in time a bit in a way of being like, you can level up and get new moves and then choose which moves you yeah, want yeah, to make yeah. your combo trees. God, it is really, like, so... Dark Gaiden, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's like, I just... Or Ninja Souls. The thing was, when, when ba- the games like Batman came and kind of redefined, like, third-person combat, it was really cool at the time to have something pared down like that, something where, like, you would almost, like, have a system whereby your combos would flow quite accurately and you had to keep them together by reacting to input and being, like, using the right dodge at the right time. Whereas, I, love, I love Batman. The the Rocksteady Batman games' is combat awesome. system so it's much. awesome. But it's actually quite nice to have this reminder of being like, like, oh yeah, this is more like rather than having to react to stuff all the time, it's more just you 
hammering forward and switching between stances and doing these different attacks. And it, it's more on you rather than reacting. I'm like, Batman was awesome because it was just like, you've got to do this now, you've got to do this now. And it was all about reactions and speed. And if you pulled it off, it just made you look awesome. Whereas in this, it's like, it's all on you. Like you've got all these different weapons, all these different moves, and you've just got to like work out good combos and work out how to do this situation. And Sounds neat. It's just like an old school PS2 like action game. Yeah, what happens in it aside from combat? Is there like a boss? Is there a bit of story? I haven't even got to whether or not there's a boss so far. Yeah, I saw you running story. around a bit of like grassy like sort of scrubland and it looked very like barren. Yeah, it's just dark and there's a village and there's lots of samurais and people get tired. Again, it's very much like they call the stamina something else, but it's basically just stamina. But it is nice the fact that when you're doing these combos, you can, if you get the timing right, then you basically regain a bit of... If you can do your combos perfectly timed then, and you're doing stuff in between, you can regain your stamina that you've always spent, which means you can be fighting for longer. But if you're just hammering the buttons, then it's kind of... The way to put it is, in Dark Souls, it makes you commit to a, a sword swing by being like, you press the button. It's like, you press the button. And sometimes people get fucked off with that because what happens is they'll like they'll panic and they'll press the button twice. And that means it's going to do it twice. Even if you didn't... like, It's like it will cue stuff up a bit and it mm-hmm. will just be like... What? You, you wanted to swing the sword twice, so we swung it Did twice. Did you not want to press the sword? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't understand. Why'd you press the button? <laughs> Why did you press it twice? Whereas in this, it's like, it's not as slow as that. It's much more reactive. You press the button, something happens. However, it has a different kind of uh, negative side to when you're just hammering the button. Because when you're hammering the buttons, it's much more horrible when you run out of stamina. When you run out of stamina, your character starts panting and just stops. And you, you lose complete control for about a second, which is enough time to get hit in the face with an axe and killed. So it, it's much more, requires you to be much more considered with your action, but in a different way. Um, and the pace of the combat's a lot faster. But I don't know what it does, um, but... It's just, it reminded me a lot of the kind of Tenchu games in a way. And it's like a cross between kind of a, an action game and and an action fighter and a Tenchu game. I've just, isn't there a, oh, we might have to cut this out, but isn't there a Tenchu type game coming out that is called... Quite possibly. Something. I don't know. I mean, quite possibly, but... <laughs> there quite possibly may be a game about ninjas from the third personally perspective in development. But it's just weird. It just has a different type of, of fluff to it as well. Like, even though it takes all of the, the, the spine of, of Dark Souls, it also has, like, that kind of classic Koei Tecmo, uh, in, like, treasure-style thing of being like, oh, here's loads of stats you don't really 100% understand. And, when you, and it's not just, like you got the long sword and that's an item. Like, it's like you get a slightly better long sword and you get like, oh, I got a blue long sword. It's like, oh, yeah? it does more damage this or it has like wind damage or it does more. And then like really specific things, like it'd be like, oh, your endurance will be like, your stamina will be like 20% used less when you use the high stance, like the aggressive <laughs> stance. And you might just be like, oh, okay, I'll use that. So it doesn't seem to have the same like barriers. But to be honest, it's quite fun, especially I realised that was the point of summoning in the Phantoms because as I said, you'd see what a colour equipment they had. And if they had like a blue helmet or something or a purple helmet, you're like, this character's got a rare helmet and it means if you kill them, there's a chance that they might actually drop the equipment that they we have. have, okay. So it means you can be like, oh, he's got a good spear, I want a good spear, and you can summon them in and try and beat them. And also it's like, you can summon in people who are higher level than you by quite a bit. You can be like level five and summon in somebody who's like level 15 and be like, well, try your fucking chances. Because it is that thing of like, it's hard, but um, you can do it, especially because you do get cool like parries and combos and counters and you can do all sorts of stuff. I'm interested. Do we know what it's out? No idea. It's like, I played for an hour, I don't, it's like, I just found it mindless and enjoyable. It was that kind of slightly shonky action game. I just sort of thought, weirdly... If somebody said to me, oh, it's like, oh, you got to check this out. It's like kind of Samurai Dark Souls. I'd be like, I so feel, I feel like I'm done with the whole format. But despite the fact that on the surface, it is just an unbelievable ripoff. Um, <laughs> in terms of how it plays, it plays really differently. And it's like, oh, this is just kind of a fun, a fun thing. I was like, actually, I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting, basically. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. I feel like you have a sort of nice soft spot for uh, for a, a well-made, straightforward game. Well, yeah, it's weird. Like, it's... Uh, I never even like, used to play any of the Team Ninja stuff. Like, I know lots of, like, people Ninja Gaiden and stuff. And I know now yeah, there are probably was... people listening to this going, oh, my God, how can this guy be saying about, like, this, the combat being slightly shonky? I don't even know if Team Ninja are even that good anymore, let's be honest. Like, I know lots of people revered them at the time of the Xbox, but they've, they've put out a lot of junk in the past, like, 10 years. Um, and... Yeah, this this doesn't feel like a, I don't know if this is a return to form. I doubt it is because I think Ninja Gaiden is one of those games that like they were really, really like perfect in some regards. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. I'm not an action fan connoisseur. It doesn't feel perfect to me, 
But it's nice. It's fun. And it's a bit cute. It's got weird little spirits with pots on their heads. Yeah, they wear little chips pots and they want to help you out. And there's something surreal about when 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 you die rather than it being like the kind of you're dead sort of dark souls of just being like you failed. And this like when a load screen comes up it plays fucking flute music and it's just like it just feels like a bit less serious and a bit lighter and it's it's quite welcome. Anyway, the demo is like I say it's 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 a time demo. Yeah, what well, you know what? Try it yourself. Try it yourself until the time demo says you can't play anymore. That's how time demos work. I still can't believe that in 2016... <laughs> we have one. We have one again. It's like, it's weird. It's like, what is that? Is it like Cinderella where they're just worried that if you play it for more than 15 minutes, you'll realise that it might not be that exciting? I don't know. I mean, it's more than 50... Because I was expecting it to be like 10, 15 minutes, but it must be a while because I played it for like... I think I played it for about an hour. Maybe less than that. Maybe it is an hour long. Wow. But, I mean, I was having fun with it and I, I kept wanting to play it. In a way, like maybe they were confident enough with it. They were like... Yeah, it's not just, like you play it for an hour and it deletes itself, is it? PT has completely warped all my <laughs> idea of what Sony can and can't do to my I PS4. I kind of wonder if maybe they just put like... I kind of wonder if if it's almost like a kind of old school thing of trying to reward like hardcore players of being like, if you're really good. You know what I heard? you're going to be able to see more of it. Like, this week, I, I forgot whether my PS4 was a PS4 or in fact a PS3. Wow. Um, yeah. I could have told you that. <laughs> I'd hope, frankly. But like, yeah, I just I couldn't remember if there was a machine between the PS2 and the PS... Like, see, now I'm saying it, it sounds insane. It does sound insane, yeah. What's after two? Is it three or four? I just didn't... I couldn't remember a... P- name a PS3 game. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 4. Okay. Um, Let's move on. Uncharted 2. <laughs> ah, took you t- ah, see, but which Uncharted? Uncharted, Uncharted was a PS2 Uncharted game. Uncharted 2 and 3. <laughs> Whatever, man. You were and, on magazine. This isn't fair. I bought, I bought this whole conversation. <laughs> the PlayStation 2 was out for 10 years. I know. And then it was the PS3. The thing is, I couldn't remember. No, the PS3 was out for 10 years. Oh. The PS2 was out for ages. I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure the PS3 and the Xbox 360 were, like, two of the longest You know who cycles. we are now? We are those two really old Muppets that sit in the balcony <laughs> and judge everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, wow, we actually did the... Yeah, we did it, and then we did it. Oh, God. Uh, Kill us now. Ask me about Fallen London, Matthew. What's Fallout? Uh, what's Fallout? <laughs> what's Fallout? <laughs> Tell me that. <laughs> oh. No, Fallen London, I'm interested in this because the one thing that I didn't get on with with Sunless Sea, in Sunless sea was the game was the game um, <laughs> but I love the stories yeah well so, I, I tell you Fallen what London Fallen London so Fallen it's L- just stories it right? was well, it, it's the browser game that um, that created the whole ridiculous world across many many years uh, that Sunless Sea is then set in and if you like Sunless Sea storytelling and you know it's multiple choice selections and it's uh, skill based or you can try this but you'll probably fail um, all of that comes straight from Fallen London um, so the th- two things I'll say firstly is it uses a, um, a sort of the time-based uh, management system, which is in all mobile games now where you have like 20 actions every like eight hours and they gradually refresh, mm-hmm. um, except I did it before that. And it, it's a lot gentler, especially if you subscribe and you pay them like seven, f- oh, five pounds a month or seven and a half dollars, um, then you're a subscriber, you get a big fancy story every month and you get double the actions, um, which is good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm doing that right now because, my God, otherwise it's free. If you want to see if you enjoy it, it is completely free. And the reason I'm playing it now is they've just released an iOS app. Uh, so you can play it on your phone or your iPad. Ask me how the iOS app is, Matthew. How's the iOS app? Bad. Oh. It's, you know what? It's fine when it works, but... Are you playing on a phone or iPad? I've, I've tried both, and right. on both it has the same problem where on 4G or on my actual home internet connection, it still takes ooh, somewhere like four and a half minutes to boot up. It has to check everything, and then while I'm playing, there is a chance it will try to sync my character and do that again. But when it's actually running, so what I did, I actually, while... While you were doing some camera equipment today and I was waiting for you, I set it loading. So like I start the app and then put the phone in my pocket with the touchscreen facing away from my thighs, which right. will cause my phone to get too excited. Yep. And then uh, four and a half minutes later, I'll take the phone out and it'll be ready to go and I'll have a great time. And then it's fine. <laughs> then it works. Wow. And it's good. But I have been playing it half on my phone doing that and then half in a browser. And now finally we arrive at the fact I've been having an awesome time. Um, I'm so happy it's Can you play it in the browser on your iPad? Yes. And does it work as well? You definitely could, because it's like 
HTML basic mm. basic stuff. Because the thing is, I haven't got an iPhone. They have talked about putting it on Android as well at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I kind of like the idea of it being something in my pocket. But if it's going to take ages to load up, then that's not really ideal. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I don't know what I can do to mount a defense. No, no, no. I, I'm also just being like, I just want to know, like, as a as a, as a gamer. You don't try both, dude. Uh, but no, but it doesn't need to be online, like, because I'm thinking. Okay, so the weird thing about the. Because I want to play it on the tube and stuff. So you thing. can, I think. Play it on the tube, and then there is a good chance that you'll make it out to the other side of the tube, take it out, and then it will sink. It will try and sink once you're out of the tube. Okay. And as opposed to when well, you're in it. Maybe you can have a go at this and then let me know. How about you do it? I'm like a dad at, like, a, I haven't got an iPhone. Just oh. just do it on your iPad around the house. I feel, I feel like I'm a dad at an electronics boutique 20 years ago. I'm not going to do this Can you tell dads. me about this game? Dads. What is about this game? Dad, stop embarrassing How me. How about, can I have a go on this one at Dad, home? can we go? Can we go on a train and dad, play this? Dad, I'm walking out. Okay, so but the yeah. game. Okay, so what people also should need to know about the world if they've not played Sunnersea is that um, the world of Fallen London is like, oh god, I am going to struggle for adjectives to describe this. It is very funny, very cool, and very dark. And it's the idea that London has like fallen through the earth and exists beneath. In a kind of purgatory, like there's no daylight, um, there's big stalactites above the city, there's bats everywhere. If you die, you come back to life, you know, you all drink, like the candles are all made of bat guano. Um, everyone's drinking absinthe and laudanum. And it's, ooh, who's the guy who made Nightmare Before Christmas? Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Deeply, deeply, kind of if Tim Burton were not a filmmaker, but a novelist, kind of. Yeah, and also if Tim Burton wasn't, like, very repetitive and trite. Sure. So there are four stats, uh, which should give you an idea of, like, how the the game goes, which are persuasiveness, which you use if you want to seduce people or be a writer. Uh, That's how it works, There's watchfulness if you want to be, like, a dabbling spy or be, like, a Sherlock Holmes type get involved in Sherlock Holmes type plot yeah. lines. If you like Sherlock, then that's what for you. There's Dangerous, which turns you into like a sort of Guy Ritchie ruffian who goes around hunting rats and bruising people. Um, or there is a fourth stat, Matthew. There's a fourth one. Do you want to know what it is? Batness. It, it's, oh, uh, shadowy. Which if you want to be like, a, it was a pickpocket, like a Batman type. Um, and you want to be like a career criminal. Uh, but it doesn't ever restrict you. Like the whole game, and this is why it's interesting, is it's like, what do you want to do? And, it, and like, you know, you can start off as a pickpocket, but then you go to like um, the Watchmaker's Hill, I think that's the name of it, which is like the dangerous district. And then you hunt some rats and you start making friends and connections there, or you wander off to the persuasive districts and you get into like a weird drug habit or start trying to hang with bohemians. Mm. And like, I've prodded it. I must have played it for like 10 hours or something now. And I've opened so many doors, made so many friends. And the thing I find interesting about it is it is a radically different interpretation of what an RPG should be. Because traditionally in the West, like an RPG is a story, like Mass Effect and stuff is like Mass Effect or, you know, Dragon Age tends to be, we've got this big main thrust that we're following. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally you'll have loads of fun on the way. Like, you know, like Mass Effect's final piece of DLC where it's you all hanging out at the Citadel, right? Yeah. Or think about Mass Effect's um, uh, loyalty missions. Think about uh, the fun stuff you could do in Mass Effect. Now remove the main game. Remove the main plot line. And just have it so that you are Commander Shepard living a life, going anywhere. More like a series of Star Trek rather than a Star Trek movie. You know, that's the funny thing. After playing Mass Effect 2, that was all I wanted. I I didn't want a finale. I just wanted some sort of subscription-based thing where every couple of weeks I could go on an adventure with these people. that is what Fallen London is and because it's been running for seven years or that's so actually, much that's stuff I guess there. there's an unbelievable amount of stuff and every time you subscribe you get a big long story every month but you can pay them a little extra a few extra pennies to get access to all the ones they've done in month, month not well you pay like a few let's say you're, you're, you've got an evening in by yourself you pay them like 40p and then you get an hours long adventure you know yeah yeah and it's great man like I'm and it, it's again interesting because the stuff I'm choosing to not do is def- defines you as much as um, yeah. as stuff you choose to do. Like the fact that I'm not siding with the police and not exploring that content yet. That's giving my character like this depth of like I'm connected with like bohemians and urchins and criminals right now. But at any point, like you're never committed like you are in so many Western RPGs of like I can ad- abruptly drop all my drug habits and just like start hanging out with royalty and then develop those stats and connect with royalty. It's just a little life. It's a tiny little life in my pocket except with more bats. It's very cool. And I remember, uh, you know, there was a lot of similar systems in Sunless Sea, um, especially in terms of, like, you know, kind of wits and, like, having that thing of, like, yeah. choosing things. But I just remember the whole 
whole the whole problem with that was being like, well, you just always like, it's always good to be like good at firing cannons on your boat and stuff. And it was just like, oh yeah, you'd always want to focus towards the combat stats because it was the combat stats that would stop you from playing the game if they weren't good enough. So you wanted to be good as good as you can at surviving, like. On scene, man. You know that's the tragedy. Is that's actually not quite true, but it. I completely it understand. Felt like that though. exactly. This is one of the many ways that Sunless Sea failed. Is that um, uh, it, it? You think it's so many other things than it is. Yeah. Like you think it's about making money. It's not. Like the developers were completely taken off guard by how many people who played Sunless Sea wanted to explore the economics and were sharing tips of how to make money. And the developers were like, what are you doing? This is a story about being broke and drunk and sad and making terrible decisions. And on that note, the thing that I did love about Sun of Sea of like having plot lines which ended in just death, misery, sadness, like decisions that were genuinely life or death or stuff my captain did in Sun of Sea where I felt so small and pathetic. Yeah. It's a, you know, Sun of Sea is a bit more of a mass effect too where being a captain is hard and it's dark. Fallen London is like more like a sitcom right where everything that happens tends to be very wry and very funny and it is no less enjoyable for that and it sometimes does get very serious or sad but far more than that it's just jovial and it wants to make you smile think like the bbc sherlock where every single scene has a joke in it except for when it doesn't you know what i mean sort of seems like with nail and i in a broken world with nail yes cut, yeah i mean occasionally sad and a bit too real i tell you what you can certainly play it as like a very ruthless with nail type if you want an rpg that lets you role play a drunk high with now who's like writing but will never make anything of his book you can do that it's great it's fine it sounds interesting it sounds like a lot of fun and I also I, I kind of like the fact that you almost have like a, a quota of things you can do so you don't just burn out you just keep popping you back know what's in. funny is because today I've been really busy um, I wanted a way to quickly burn all my actions and so my character is today writing a book <laughs> like he's he's got a really high persuasive stat and I'm following this plot of like you know writing a story and then just like a real it's not like uh, in Mass Effect where you'd have to do like three sets I don't know why I'm comparing it to Mass Effect at the time. I guess it's the last RPG I really loved. Um, but like writing a book would be in real life, the way they've modeled it is like you can write pages and you can edit pages down and write pages and edit pages down, and then that will slowly increase the stats of what you're writing. Hmm. But maybe you don't even know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to send this off as a short story or try and write my masterpiece that my character will be polishing it's, forever. It's mad that you're even even describing a game, like considering this. Is, yeah, but this is one of those. Yeah, it's one of those things of like as soon as you leave the mainstream, it is astonishing how broad and how much more games can offer. Yeah. Which is what Sunless Sea could do because it was a browser game and the cost of developing it was so low. But guess what? People are playing it. There's adverts for Sunless Sea. I mean, Fallen London. There's adverts for Fallen London on the London Tube now. Like, these games have a market, it turns out. Um, anyway. I'm going to be checking it out. Play Fallen London. It's free. Matt is now uh, loading up the uh, questions, comments thread, which you can find on coolghosts.net. If you want to ask a question to the Darth Souls podcast, you can do that. Yeah, you go to coolghosts.net and then there'll be a Darth Souls thing at the top. Go to that page and then it has a big bloody button that says ask us questions. And as we say most weeks, you can come and ask a question or you just come and upvote things that you want to get heard. We haven't been doing as many, um, but we, it's good because in a way we get these cream of the questions and sometimes if we just answer one question well, I think a good question, a good answer, it's fine. Is that what we're going to do today? I don't know. We'll see. How are we doing for time? Matt is feeling... I'm uh, literally talking the wrong way. <laughs> this is the problem is I'm the person with the eyesight good enough to read them. Yep. Can you read from here? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Um, well, you're going to do the reading of the questions. Okay, here we go. Uh, Paul C. I, 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 I oh, he's sorted by newest and not best. I can, I can, I can edit this. Here we go, kids. This is, this is oh, it's the comment thread that we answered last week, we'll, and another one. We'll, oh, we cutting this out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here I go. Uh, James Furbs says I'm no, a, Jamie Forbes. A go more <laughs> with quote severe. Uh, you know what, Matt? I'm going to let you do this. Oh god. I'm a gamer with quite severe visual impairments, so there's a certain game features available in only some titles that I'd love to be in all titles. Chiefly, you I'm gonna come out to your side of the bloody microphone here. <laughs> Chiefly, UI scaling or customization, excellently done in Kerbal Space Program and Final Fantasy fourteen. So I have two questions. What feature of gaming, be it design or technical, should be standard issue? Ooh, or if you prefer, what's your favourite or notably interesting portrayal of disability in games? His recommendation on this would actually be the minor miracle is Katawa Shuju. Oh, that is the dating sim where you're dating people with disabilities, isn't it? I don't know. Nope, that I am thinking of a completely different Christine Love game, I think. I don't know. 
Um, I don't know. This, I mean, I don't, if I answer your first question, is it going to be terrible if I temporarily don't talk about disability? I feel like that's what he's, he's chasing. Uh, coming from the board game industry, um, colorblindness is a big and tremendously straightforward thing that you can do to ensure that, because uh, it turns out there's a lot of colors in the world and it's not so complicated in to In video ensure. games as well, it's so easy because you can just have a mode where you right. switch it on and off. And actually lots of games do, but lots of, I mean, that's something that clearly like should just be an option. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> but if, I mean, if I'm, the feature of gaming that more traditionally I say that should be standard issue and everything, uh, Kieran Gillen does say that Gears of War's active reload uh, should be in literally every it's game. It's weird that it isn't. It's weird that it it's weird really that it's rare that it pops up. Because it's it's very a... weird that it's not in um, Enter the Gungeon as well, which has very long reload times, and it would just fit very neatly there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm always uh, I'm always reticent with these things of being like standard issue stuff. I think I think the colorblindness one, and there are a few things like that, of just accessibility stuff that just should be, because especially colorblindness, it's just... It's so easy just swapping colours. It's not difficult, as long as you code the game in the first place with that in mind eventually. But I'm always reticent with things, because I often think with otherwise designed things, like the idea that anything is just the right way of doing it, I think that's when you get into a mess. I think that's why the same reason, as we had in the question a few weeks ago, that's the same reason why lots of people thought that Dead Rising save system was broken, just because it was different and weird, and I don't like the idea of standard stuff, but yeah. It's a tough question. It's. I'm wondering about my... Uh, this is a great question. I'm wondering about my favourite, almost notably interesting uh, portrayal of disability in games. Um, and it is tricky. Sunless Sea does have some excellent characters with, uh, with sort of like... Who are somewhat broken by what they've seen. You know, people with PTSD, essentially. Mm. And... Um, uh, who initially try and hide that from you. Uh, if we go a bit fantastical, and I don't know if this counts or if it's you know me being slightly offensive, but you, I always really liked Thane's mental disability in Mass Effect 2, um, whereby his species are constantly seeing things that they did in the past. Is that right? I can't remember. <laughs> okay. I mean, I remember enjoying it a great deal, but... Well, Thane- this is kind of the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's funny because... Uh, Thane basically got crippling flashbacks if memory serves. I know at the moment, like, there's a lot of uh, people in the interaction, interactive fiction kind of uh, uh, genre who are kind of a bit pissed off at the fact that, like, uh, lots of called mainstream games now are getting lauded for narrative achievements, whilst lots of people who've been working in interactive fiction or IF are going, yeah, we've, you know, we've been doing this shit for, like years like yeah. a long time and i kind of feel like this is probably a really good example of that i'm sure there's loads of stuff in like, oh god yeah no but we're just however like of- yeah that's the problem is like when i think about most traditional games like jesus it's only just in the past few years got to the point where like women are in games as anything other than eye candy most of the time or like tough eye candy like oh yeah, yeah she's like she's not eye candy she's got a gun and <laughs> she grew up with her brothers and that's why she knows to fight and she grew up with her brothers and was trapped in a cave for 90 years yeah so she's now she's a tough lady uh yeah so i think it's it's one of these shameful things where when somebody says to me like oh who's your favorite disabled character and what do you think is the best portrayal of a disabled character in video games i can't i literally can't think of any like i can think of so few it's unreal unreal and even if you can think of some it's not they're not like enormously exciting i'm sure some will come to us people should definitely post in the comments of this yeah no do do think Um, of uh if there's a particularly awesome uh disabled character. i'm sure there have been some that are good but i don't know if any of them you see it's a combination of like I don't know how many of them will have actually been a good portrayal. I don't know if it's offensive for me to name characters that have, like, fictional disabilities either. So, I mean, <laughs> we're on thin ice. Let's let our significantly smarter audience uh, yeah. uh, handle that one. Yeah, that's a good, good one. call. Gutmensch asks, it says, Gruden from Heidelberg, Germany. Ooh, um, foreign listeners. This is it. You see, this is why I say don't write too much, is because I have to bend my neck like I'm a weird... Uh, it's uh, <laughs> one line questions are my favourite ones people um, <laughs> I'm enjoying this people he says <laughs> he's from Heidelberg Germany he says he's around your age I guess well do you think we are good mensch I'm considerably older than I look and uh, I love that you're doing this leering voice because you are so close to I'm me right so now in order to, to read the question and we should record podcasts like this every week oh my god like me just sitting on oh your my lap, god basically. man <laughs> um, I'm around your age etc I sometimes find myself wondering am I getting too old for some games and I'm not talking about I'm going to do this an old man voice now good match and I'm not talking about having less time than before but about growing out of some stuff 
when did you last play your last game? And your inner voice said, am I getting too old for this shit? Cheers, Leo. He's called Leo, not Gutmensch. I didn't think Gutmensch isn't isn't a name. I definitely feel like... people, actually. I mean, he says that this isn't to do with him not having time, but I definitely feel like if a game has a lot of padding, like a lot of, like... For some reason, I follow a lot of comedians who play games on Twitter who are all, like, four or five years older than me, and they have so little time for padding in games. Like, yeah. if they have to grind, or, like, if a game has a bit that is just rubbish for the sake of uh, longevity, they will just post a massive rant on Twitter and then fling the game out of the window like a discus. Which is, I am getting more like that now. I'm like that a lot of the time, apart from when you've got games that have a really nice loop. I sometimes find that it's like, it's polar. I sometimes think, I'm too old for this shit. I can't bother. I don't have time. Other times I'm like, you know, I know what this is. It's presented it to me as what it is. Um, and I'm cool with that. Like, I was fine with Destiny because it's just like, I'm bollocks. I'm shiny, <laughs> shiny bollocks. And I'm like, cool. And yet other games are like, oh, I'm a dynamic, experienced, team-based. Da, da, da. And it's like, no, are you actually just bollocks? It's like, <laughs> maybe I am. And I don't like it when gamers pretend, when they're not just like, I'm here to suck away your life with bright colours. I'm like, okay. That's I'm why you like Cookie Clicker. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like the honesty because it's like, I do feel like with those games, it's like, if it is just mindless bollocks, you are entering into a contract and contracts go both ways. And if I'm like, hey, what are you going to do for me? And they're like, well, have some awesome, like, aesthetic feedback and going to keep you really entertained for a while. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll give you some of my time. I'm down with that. But yeah. when games are like, no, 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 you're having experience. It's, it's clever. It's, it's gritty. I'm like, well, no, am I? Is it though? Hmm? If any game was going to have caused me to decide I am too old for video games, it would have been the, the two months of Street Fighter V. I've just, <laughs> the hardcore months of it. Because obviously, you know, esports athletes tend to, they slow down at 18 and tend to leave the scene yeah. at 23 yeah. um, in general. But Street Fighter V, while relying on reactions quite a lot, some of the guys who were winning tournaments of like Third Strike, I mean, Alex Vaya, I think he was, um, he is, I forget his name, but uh, he won tournaments back in the 90s and he's still an absolute force to be reckoned with. It's the thing, it's the, sp- the uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've moved away from And to clarify, games. he's like mid 30s now. Yeah. I've moved away from a lot of the tight reaction-based things into that. And as you found, though, because you found the more you played Street Fighter, you found eventually, actually, it was weirdly tactical and it was weirdly, actually, about getting into their Philosophical head and psychological, yeah. Yeah, like, it was getting into their head and working out what they were going to do, which actually changes the pace of the game entirely. It's not fast anymore. It's more like you already know what they're going to do four turns at, well, four yeah. frames ahead or whatever. Um, but with, yeah, I find with, like, I don't play those fast-paced things now anymore, but I find myself... Wait, that's a big... What? What, don't, what fast-paced stuff don't you play? Don't play Street Fighter, but, like... I, 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 don't, I don't tend to play, like, stuff like Call of Duty Online, uh, and I used to enjoy things but like that. But that's because it's bad, not because no, it's... No, no, that's not true. That's well, not true. yeah, but you know what I mean. It's not something that... I don't think you don't play it because it's twitchy and, you know, quote, for kids. I think you don't play it because you're just looking for different stuff. No, I still like those games. I mean, I you just, play Devil I Daggers, right? I just rubbish at it. Yeah, but I was rubbish at that as well. <laughs> uh, but that's why Devil Daggers was great, because it was something I could enjoy very briefly and thought, wow, what a fucking electric, exciting, like, thing. It's not for me, but, <laughs> but I could still, like, I could dip into it, have fun with it, but then not, like, actually play it. Because mm-hmm. everyone kept saying, oh, what's your high school? It's like, oh, I can't fucking play that game. Like, I mean, like, I played it for, like, about half an hour and thought, this is really fucking something. But I couldn't do it. Like, I'm not good enough at that shit anymore. I just, it frazzles me. Also, it's like, it just makes me stressed out. It's like, I don't want games to make me stressed. But weirdly, I found more slow, considered things I've just become better at. I don't think of myself as being good at games. Well, so many, I think we mentioned this when we were talking about Dark Souls 3 with Keza, um, but so many things that people say, oh, it's really hard, it's really hard. Uh, within video games no one ever because I guess it's not good in marketing or it's not sexy in the culture no one ever says oh Dark Souls is good it requires loads of patience yeah. because patience is far more required in Dark Souls, Dark Souls than anything else yeah and that's the thing is I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at Dark Souls now I realise like when we did that little spoiler cast we said oh this is after about 15 hours and lots of people were like whoa you got really far in 15 hours it's like I'm good at these games but it's because hey I've played them enough and also I'm better at these slower pace of games where I can just like kind of be quite measured with it but also my patience now from playing so many of these games my patience is pretty zen and in a way that now means I don't enjoy the games as much because it means I don't get that kind of like no when I I lose loads of souls like I just lose 50k souls and just go okay and I'm like I'm a bit annoyed but I'm not like I just I know enough in long scale it's like it doesn't matter don't get stressed about it like They'll come back. You'll get more. Yeah. There's as many I, as you want. So in summary, I think the only things that I feel that uh, I'm too old for this shit, it's just like a, a measure of quality or something. Like, I just don't have time for... I think the the, the bigger problem for me is it's like, um, it's not like I feel too old for it. I just feel like I've been looking at them for too long. Like, I find now 
the more time I spend professionally looking at games and like, I've, you know, I've been doing it for a long time, working in games for like almost 10 years, the more time I play these games, like it's just so cyclical and there is, it's so rare that you play things that grab you and excite you. And this is why for me, like, you know, like Dark Souls 3, like I'm, people keep saying, oh, are you going to make a big video about it? It's like, I don't know. Like I'm playing it, I'm enjoying it, but it's not exciting me you much. You know what you should do? I don't feel like do. I have anything to say about it. You should go off and start a board game website and then you can run that for five years and then you should come back and ask your friend if you can be part of their video game channel and then you'll be rejuvenated no it's it's not even that it's just I think it's it's not like I'm, I'm fed up with it but it's like it do start to feel old when you see people getting really excited about something new and you just think but it's just I've done this like it's like uh, but it's fine it just it becomes interesting and this is why with stuff like you know Fallen London it's a reminder of being like you know you need to just look away you need to look elsewhere because there's like a ton of stuff Fallen um, London is so much fun so I think it's more that actually like, what makes me feel old is not just video games or specific video games it's sometimes just <laughs> the mainstream no you're completely right The if I absolutely do say I am too old for this shit and it is the same thing that my fiance talked about when she has she's left games writing to do like broader tech and culture stuff now um, but she was saying like I'm leaving because I'm sick of having these conversations it's the same conversations over and over, and over, and over again. again I can't be bothered it's the same conversations about games like our games are or it's just like it's boring and it's just it's the thing is it's just new generation after new generation popping up and having the same conversations and thinking that the first people to say things over and over again and it's the same conversations we have about games and it's also the same design of games we're getting games like inspired by the stuff and sometimes that's lovely for the sake of nostalgia but in terms of actually having exciting interesting things to say you just think well it's just more of this I will always be here like for the last month I've been playing the new Hitman I've been playing Street Fighter I've been playing Fallen London and all of them have been completely awesome and I will always be here to like find what is new and what is exciting or what is different that I haven't touched before but my god some of the things that like yeah I think gets, uh, some of the conversations and some of the excitement is just becoming more and more alien to me yes and that's the thing is I think I think it, that's what it is is it's like I'm still uh, I'm still loving the medium I'm still but I'm having to constantly look for things to love now in a way where it used to just be that I was just so enamoured to be rolling around in a duvet of games and I was like everything's great whereas now actually I find that my taste I'm just bored of having the same conversations about stuff all the time so I had to look for new things and interestingly like you know I got some very mixed reactions when I was talking on Twitter the other day saying that you know I'm not going to be covering E3 this year at all because it's not like I don't think it's it's. I'm not saying it's irrelevant but I think I mean it is less relevant than it's ever been it's res- less relevant than it's ever been but it's also just not relevant to, to Cool Ghosts or Dark Souls it's like really now we're a stage where when we were kids you'd be like you want to know about the next big like Mario Zelda I mean also that was I mean the big AAA stuff was all the video game industry was was when we were kids yeah so now it's like why would you take the time out to get hyped about stuff that's not out for a year two years when When there's more stuff right now than you can possibly handle yeah and so I just feel like to actually even I felt for a while like that that kind of hype cycle of the industry has become increasingly relevant but now we're just a two-man operation it's like no like we're not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna get like I mean people like I'm not even gonna bother wasting my time to watch like 10 hours worth of press conferences about stuff I can't play when I could just be playing awesome things right now you know what I might do what I might get like a bowl of snacks and really make a thing of E3 and like not <laughs> not cover it at all but you know like maybe make some chicken wings and watch some of the conferences uh, fiance and I have for Two, maybe three years running, stayed up until 3am to watch the Sony press conference, which is awesome and romantic because it is so out of character for both of us. Yeah. Neither of us should be into that. Both of us are like, should we just be kids again and watch this and kind of make fun of it, but kind of get super excited when like the FF7 music comes on and one of us starts crying and I'm not going to reveal who. But it was good, you know, it was... Uh- yeah, see, I don't know. I just feel like... Um- I think it's it's not so much a game I played recently, but like I do feel very alien in the industry. It's it's kind of been a weird a weird couple of years, but I feel like yeah, that's the weird, that's that's the best way to describe. You're it. like any number of creatures in Bloodborne of just sitting there and watching and becoming more and more weird. I didn't intend that to happen though. It was well, like, no one in Bloodborne did, man. No, no one in Yarnum <laughs> thought that they were like going down a dark path. But it's weird. It just all of these choices just made sense. I thought I just put some blood in my werewolf legs. Oh, <laughs> what about my legs, werewolf legs? No, it's you know it's just interesting because it's like it kind of made sense to be like, well, I'm not doing any 
a sponsor, so I don't need to deal with PRs. So oh, well, it means I don't need to go to games events if I'm not doing previews. So then, first of all, you're like, it means you're not connected to the industry because you're not actually seeing people anymore. You're not going to events, you're not going on trips, you're not doing review things. Uh, but then it becomes this weird thing of the longer you're out of it and the more you're like watching people getting excited about the new Far Cry when you're just like, why, why don't I play that? Like, uh, <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Now I just feel like genuinely a fringe alien, and it's it's kind of fun sometimes because it's like, oh, we're doing our own thing. But the other times it's kind of terrifying because you're just like, what even is this culture? I feel like I'm looking through a window. It's okay, man. We're part of a, a new wave of scenesters who are doing it for themselves. I like In- indie devs so. and YouTubers and writers who are all like just making a whole new scene. Well, I, I think that's it. I think it's the games is actually wide enough to support more than one a monoculture. They are now. So, Thank, yeah. it, it happened in the last like 15 years. Fucking A. Well, that's a very long answer of why I feel old because I'm a werewolf and I've drunk too much weird and blood. And that's why I thought I wasn't old. But, but I am. But he is. You're a youngin. You're so young with your nice eyes and I your young skin. A year and a half younger than you? Yeah, but in that next year and a half, mate, you're going to collapse. Actually, I'll tell you what, the age... You're going to flake the, away. The, 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 the speed at which I'm ageing. I walked some of the London Loop this week, which, if people aren't aware, is a loop that goes around London. You were looking at birds and having a lovely time. I was looking at birds. I walked through a cemetery. We uh, mean birds in the international sense there rather than the British sense, just so you know. Yep. I We stopped at a pub. Uh, my friend made sandwiches. Sandwiches had beetroot and pork. And it was nice. I get I get more excited genuinely about cooking most of the time than I do uh, AAA games. So there you go. That is, I get more excited about AAA games, but I cook more often. Yeah... Yeah, we'll talk, sense. we'll talk about this. Let's, let's wrap this up and, this up and talk about it. Thank you very much for listening to Dark Souls. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, uh, then you can do a bunch of things. You can go to coolghost.net and talk to us about it and have a nice time. The comments that. on our site. I'm going to make a concerted effort to, to chat more in the comments because I have such an awesome time talking to yeah. everybody when I do that. I've got to say, like uh, people post comments on a bunch of stuff on the podcast and videos. I don't always reply to everything, but obviously, but I read everything and they're always great. And hey, listen, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, was the last time we told you guys to really leave a five-star review and loads of you did it we want to thank all of you who did yeah thank you very much literally like 11 new reviews but you listened to this didn't do it did you you thought to yourself <laughs> oh i should do that oh, somebody else will do it for me but you didn't and we know and Let so side down seriously please you personally listen to this pop your phone out quickly five stars write a tiny little one sentence review it doesn't take long and it makes the world of difference it's to pretty us. cool it just means that new people discover it and actually one of the nicest things is having people going oh my god I've only just discovered this podcast it's great there I are 8,000 episodes I know it's people having a fantastic time so yeah if you do enjoy it then share it with somebody else if you don't have anyone to share it with write a review anyway thank you very much as ever for putting up with us two old old men I next week is going to be the young cast I'm just yeah. going to talk about why I'm young I'm going to drink the blood of, of very young people until I'm rejuvenated not me though well you're pretty young See you. Bye.